Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Retrack. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this time we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 10 of Discovery, which was titled The Red Angel. Yeah. So, did we get some answers about The Red Angel, I suppose? Oh, we got some disappointing answers about The Red (laughs) Angel. No Iconians. No, that, that was it. That, uh, um, that's it we're through with Discovery now no yeah. Iconians we were all hinging on that it was the Discovery <laughs> yeah we'd have, we'd have cancelled our CBS All Access if we'd have been in America no we wouldn't no that's true <laughs> uh, but we will talk about the revelations and how we felt about them um, this one's directed by Hanel L M. if I could talk Hanel M Culpepper I hope I've pronounced that right who in the past has directed shows like Grimm, Sleepy Hollow, Lucifer, but for our purposes, more interestingly, is directing the first two of Picard. Yeah. So. so they were obviously impressed with the work here. And it's written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony Maranville, who, like a lot of the Discovery staff writers, are pretty much like journeyman writers they've worked on a lot of shows um no prior trek that i could find so we'll see how it all fares as we go through this one um we pick up pretty much straight after last episode with arian died at the end of the last one and we start with a pretty much on the autopsy table on this one yeah autopsy and funerals yeah and we get now again here I wasn't invested in Arium. I went over this last last episode. Yeah. She, they haven't invested me in some of these characters. No, it's, it's a weird one because we spend a lot of time this episode mourning this character. Yeah. Who, like as, said, a, we as a viewer, really we, were, we were invested into it. They did it in one... We had one episode where she was killed where we, we got to know her. And I, yeah. that's not the way to... That doesn't get you invested in somebody. No, it doesn't. And it, it's almost um, disingenuous, really, that the show is presenting it in this way and trying to elicit this kind of sad reaction from the audience yeah. when they've not given us enough reason to care that much yeah. up until this point. It's like Next Generation did this in the first season when they killed off Tasha But we'd already built up. We knew a lot about Tasha Yeah, we did. In, and, and it was actually about the same amount of episodes yeah, total. True. And yet, but we felt something even though it was the first season but about Tasha Yar. Even then, I don't think Next Gen played it up as much no, as Discovery does here. You know, this it's really trying to pull up the heartstrings. Yeah. And like you say, we just didn't get enough of that character no. to make it, it work. I mean, that's not to say... It's not badly done, or it's not badly it's, done. It's, it's well made. It, yeah, it, it's good. It's it's a it's a great funeral scene. It's great acting from everybody. If if they knew it was friends, it's really good, and, it, and yeah. they portray that. But as a viewer, it's the emotional connection. Is just no, like that. yeah. And so yeah, we we do get a bunch of scenes here. We get a voiceover from Pike giving a eulogy, and this is the other thing we get. Pike gives a eulogy, Tilly does, Stamets does, Detmer does, so Michael it, does, Saru sings a, a song uh, of remembrance. Yeah. 
You know, and it, it's really laying it on thick. Doug Jones can sing, though. I'll give him yeah. that. <laughs> he, he can sing Kelpian. He can, yeah, which it must <laughs> take a bit of doing. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that will, like, sort of a breakaway pop hit on Kelpia. I don't know. The only alien language I can sing on is Brune and G. <laughs> it's what? Brune and G. Which is? From um, Lex. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I missed the Lex reference, sorry. Um, they, they then have this bit where it shows erasing uh, her memories, which, in and of itself, that is a tragic, sort of sad... Um, turn of events like it the concept of well all the memories were stored in this positronic brain so we now have to erase them and it's kind of you know that isn't what happens when a person dies a person dies and the memories go with them yeah this you've got to actively do that after the fact yeah there is something really sad about that but like you say it's just not happening to a character that we we connected with in the way I mean, I would say in the way that they wanted us to, but I, I don't think they could honestly hold their hands up and say, yeah, we think the audience will love Arium by this point because no. they've not given us enough no. to feel that. Um, the body gets fired out in a torpedo, which is very Wrath of Khan. Yeah, we've seen that happen a number of times. Now, there's a character you cared about when Spock died, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then... Interspersed with all this, we see um, a brief scene of Pike and Nan let Ash out. Because he, if you remember, he was locked up before because they suspected him, but now that the cat's out of the bag with Arium, um, he's getting presumably let back on duty and everything. Um, just back to the memories briefly, the last one we see blip out is the beach scene that we saw last yeah. episode. So there is a poignancy to it, but as we've said it's just it's, not we're not invested in it no um, we move on to then sort of the episode proper really and we get Michael and Ash in a turbo lift they're having a bit of a conversation about their relationship their feelings for each other Michael's not very receptive to Ash's charm in this one because she brings up this thing about Area 50... Uh, not Area 51, I've got that on the brain. With Section all that 31. Thing. <laughs> um, Section 30. Have you seen the, they want to do a Loch Ness one as well now? No. We're all going to storm Loch Ness oh, so right. we find Nessie. <laughs> we'll see. This is, this is really dating the podcast now when we're talking <laughs> about these things. If people listen to this in a few years, they'll... Well, it'll go one or two ways. They'll either go, I wonder what that storm Area 51 thing was and Google it. Or they'll go... Oh, that was the thing where a million people got shot by the American <laughs> Air Force. So, you never know. Ash working for Section 31 seems to be a, a bone of contention between them. Michael's concerned about their ways of working, their methods and everything, but Ash is sort of holding on to this thing of they do a good job. Yeah. Even though they do it in a way that's, that's not... Yeah, the... It's not the Starfleet way. <laughs> then we move on um, and we get a briefing. And the they're discussing what's happened and they're talking about control and everything. And it, it looks at the moment that the AI that came from the future that corrupted it and everything seems to have been purged from all the systems. Yeah, um, they've blown up the... 
base that they went to. Yeah. Uh, they think that they had it locked down. They've contacted all the Section 31 yeah. ships and they're all saying that they've there's no sign of it in any of their sh- computer systems. Yeah, so if we didn't know there was several episodes left to go, we might think that the threat's yeah, been the threat's dealt, being with, dealt at this with stage. Though Pike has his suspicions, he thinks it might just be dormant. Yeah. And then into this briefing, Tilly bursts in, and she's got a really cool sort of meta joke about the doors. Yeah. Like she says, I should have knocked, but they seem to open <laughs> as soon as you go anywhere near them. Which, I like that. That's a good... It's a Star Trek cliche. Yes. It, it's good that they can acknowledge it and play with it and have a bit of a joke with it. Um, I'm not so sure... I think it's because I've watched them again in you know a short space of time now and it almost seems like Tilly's sort of doing the same comedy routine most episodes now. She yeah. comes in, says something that's a little bit off-kilter and funny and she's a bit embarrassed in front of the higher-ranking officers. And I like Tilly a lot. I think she's a really good character. Uh, but maybe this joke's been... Being played. Yeah, maybe, yeah, played this joke out by now. Um, they then dig into more about sort of Arium and everything and the, she mentioned Project Daedalus and the, she has a file that they've recovered from her memories and the big revelation before we go to the credits is that the angel is apparently Michael. Yeah. I have to admit, my reaction to this was to groan a little bit. Yeah, mine was. It was, oh, come on, let yeah. it be someone else. Do something yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we all know that Discovery is based around Michael. Yeah. Because it's set around the commander and they set the stall out from the start. It's not set around the captain, it's set around the commander. But she it she doesn't have to be the focus of absolutely no. everything and we talked about this when we talked about earlier episodes saying we you know before we'd seen the rest of the season we didn't want michael to be the red yeah. angel for that reason because it i don't know it's it's sort of a little bit cheap storytelling in a way that it, i don't know if the writers wanted us to be surprised by this like it was a big revelation but you know as soon as we saw the Red Angel. Everyone was saying, oh, I bet it turns out to be Michael. And then this episode is leading us to yeah, believe, it, at least at this stage, that it is. And it, it just feels... It feels a little bit disappointing. It's kind of like Route 1 football, you know. It's, yeah, it's the most yeah, obvious thing you yeah, could, could have done. Yeah, couldn't you have come up with... Something? Give me I- Iconians. Give <laughs> me Iconians. <laughs> but yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in it. I don't think... It's as bad as it might have been because of what they do with it later. And yeah. we'll, we'll get into that with the rest of this episode and later episodes. But certainly that as a lead up to the credits and the end of the, te- uh, the, end of the teaser and everything, I, it, it put me on the wrong foot for this yeah. episode, I think. Because I was like, I really don't want this yeah, to be the case. Why have you done this? And then it's kind of you sort of have to pick yourself up and go right well I'm going to resign myself to that let's see what they do with it and you know we, we get a bit of that as we go along with this one so back after the credits um, we get a log telling us that Culber's back at work uh, but he's not 
sort of fully reinstated and everything yeah. he's just doing a bit here and there and he confirms that Michael is the angel through DNA and everything I like Spock's sort of almost maybe speaking for the audience a little bit because he, he says well it's the sort of thing she would do <laughs> yeah it, it's how is it he says that um, he says perhaps you have a penchant for the dramatic <laughs> And yeah, so I like. Yeah, she turns the, around, yeah, thanks for that, Spock. <laughs> yeah, I like the interplay between Spock and Michael, and it it kind of is this big sister thing that like, oh, she's always showing off. She's got yeah. to be the red angel, hasn't she? <laughs> you know? She's got to be the centre of attention. <laughs> so I, that almost feels again like a bit of a meta comment by the writers yeah. that we, we know we know that you know that we make Michael the centre of everything and it gives you a bit of hope that there is going to be more to this and it's not just going to be a simple case of it being Michael and that's that. And they get onto the question then of, okay, so if Michael is sending these signals, why is she doing it? Yeah, and how do we pinpoint where yeah, she'll be? That's it, because she do, the angel doesn't always appear when the, yeah. the signals do. Um, so that's what we're going to be getting into but section 31 arrives and we find out that all charges against Pike and Discovery and everyone have all, been, all been, been dropped. dropped so that's fine we can get back into we've not got the, the ship and the crew on the run anymore so no. I think that's sensible at this yeah. stage in the season yeah. yeah it's been shown that it's, there was it was Control who was doing it yeah was, it's one too many subplots as well. We don't need them to be yeah. on the run as well as everything else when we're getting towards the end of the season and we need to be digging into the Red Angel yeah. and dealing with control yeah, and episode everything. episode 10. We've only got a few episodes to tie everything up. Yeah, exactly. And so we get on to the plan, which is to trap the Angel. Leland's got a plan to do it. And what they're theorising is that the AI that advanced control and led to all the trouble they've had could have been following the angel through time and then this is where we get a bit more of the backstory to it all so we're told that 20 years ago the section 31 discovered that the Klingons were looking at time travel and Project Daedalus we find out was their response to that they made the suit um, but it was assumed that the Klingons had stolen it yeah so that's I, I can go with that and yeah. it, it makes sense that if an enemy faction was looking into time travel that we would yeah, have to do you'd that have as a, well yeah yeah it makes sense you'd have to have some sort of contingency it's like, plan well it's a bit like um, the arms race that they had in yeah, the 80s that's it. Well, yeah. 60s through to the 80s yeah so that sort of shows how Section 31 are connected to it and they all agree they're going to work together and we get a nice scene with Michael and Giorgio where Michael asks what Giorgio's not telling her but she's quite elusive about it and yeah. points her in the direction of Leland and then we get another scene with Giorgio again a scene with Stamets now this is quite funny yeah this is good <laughs> um, where yeah, basically she's outrageously flirting with Stammer. Yeah. <laughs> and Culber has to remind her that he's gay and so's Culber and Giorgio's response is don't be so binary. <laughs> um, in my universe, everybody's pansexual. <laughs> and um, 
it certainly implied that she knew Stamets and Culber quite well yeah. in the, the Mirror <laughs> yeah. Universe, which fits in with what we know, what we've seen in the past with like Intendant Kira and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's it's drawing from that sort of archetype, but I, I really like the humour in it. I'm, Giorgio's growing on me more and more. I like Giorgio. I, I think she's I've, got... I'm not sure if we'll get a Section 31 show. I'd like a Section 31 show for more mm. Giorgio. Yeah, and she's got a really good sort of dry wit and yeah. sarcasm, which is very funny. And like we talked about in previous episodes, I like how she'll just come out with something ridiculous, like about how she murdered a planet or <laughs> yeah. a family member or whatever it might be. We also, though, in this scene, find out quite a bit about how the angel works. Like, we find out it's using micro wormholes and that the suit creates an anchor in the present. So when we say the present, that's it. its point of origin. Yeah. So that would be the future from where we are and that's what brings them back. And what they're going to attempt to do here is use technology to, to stop that. To stop yeah, to close the, the wormholes. Close the wormholes, stop the anchor so she can't go back where she came from. Um, there's another nice character scene where you get Nan and... Michael and the sort of bonding of uh, talking about Arium as Nan was there. Well, it was Nan who uh, jettisoned her. Yeah. And she got a thingy ripped off, didn't she? Yeah. And everything. So, you know, it's, it, they are trying with some of these character yeah, moments. Uh, like, were... They've brought in the new writer, haven't they? Or the new showrunner, yes, Michelle. Yeah. Who does a lot, who is into characters. And I think, they've, I think they missed out on a lot of that in the first season. I think they did, and, and I try. I think they're trying to rectify it, and I think we'll get a yeah. lot more in the third season. Uh, yes, they've said that recently at um, Comic Con. They said that people were going to come into the light that we'd not yeah. really seen before, and um, you know they they are good at writing character moments yeah. when they they do it. It's just I think they've we they've, might get what I asked for last episode. Get to know Bryce and then they'll kill him. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be invested. There you are. <laughs> but yeah, it's. No, we don't want Bryce to die. No, no. Not <laughs> well, done, I was going to say he's not done anything to offend us, but he's not done anything. So. Um, it's a bit weird, though, doing it all retroactively. Like, yeah. You know, oh, you know, Arian was so great. It's like, she's gone. This yeah. isn't serving a lot of purpose. But anyway, there's a bit of tension then between Saru and Leland. Saru wants to keep an eye on him. He thinks he can be trusted in this scenario. Like, yeah. He says, you know, I think you're trying to do the right thing, but there's something that he's holding back. Yeah. And Michael, she's got this argument that because effectively she is the mission, the, the Red Angel is her, she should know everything that everybody knows about it, which... well. To me, that doesn't make sense. If they're trying to trap the Red Angel and they believe it's Michael, then surely they don't want her to know yeah, how they trap her. Because future she, Michael would remember. Yeah, would know how, how they, they tried to trap yeah. her. So it yeah. make, like to me, it makes what everyone's doing and not letting her know all the details makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah, I mean, her argument just doesn't hold hold up. No, I, and I suppose I can see it from both ways, but yeah, it is a weird one. You'd think that what they'd do is sedate her so she doesn't know anything, yeah, and then use her to lure the angel and whatnot. 
Anyhow, well, that isn't how it pans out because we get we get a confrontation with Leland where he admits that he knew her parents, which, as we know from a few episodes back, Giorgio had been holding this over him. We find out they worked for Section 31. We find out he's responsible for the death. And they come out with this thing that they were working on a theory that leaps in technology can be explained by time travel, which is... It's an interesting concept. Yeah. It's something I won't mind seeing them delve into a little bit more. Yeah. I suppose we're kind of getting into 2001 A Space Odyssey territory there with do we advance in technology because of an outside influence or is it all natural and everything? Again, it makes sense that it's something scientists would be would be studying. Now, a really silly thing is that Michael says they never mentioned this to me and it's like, well... Yeah. You're a little girl. How old was she when they died? Exactly. Are you going to really wrap your head around this yeah. idea of time, you know, causality yeah. paradoxes? And yeah, I, you know, I don't think they'd have mentioned what... You, no, I mean... She'd know they were scientists. She'd know yeah. the other base. She might know that the it's a bit timey-wimey. They're but studying something. I, mean, I, I didn't know what my dad did when I were her yeah. age. You know, I, I knew he went to work and yeah. that he wore a suit, but... Yeah, you don't really... It, it just seems a really weird thing to say. And she says it's sort of accusatory as if say, well, you must be lying because they never said it to me. Well, of course they didn't. Like, I wonder if that's because after her parents have died, she's then being brought up on Vulcan. Ah, yeah. And in the Vulcan society, they do know... That's true. Yeah, she's no maybe... One. So she's maybe looking at it from a Vulcan point yeah, of view. Yeah, she's maybe sort of forcing her Vulcan perspective onto yeah. it. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, but it does fit in with what Spock said, that she needs to be the centre of everything. Yeah. So Then she punches Leland a few times and says it isn't over, which that's quite cool, I don't know. Yeah, he was responsible for her parents' death. Leland's the kind of guy who wants... He, he, he held his hands up, he made mm. mistakes, I was respons- <coughs> responsible for them dying... And she batters him. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy who needs a good yeah. kicking, I think, Leland. Yeah, he, he seems slimy, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he, the guy plays the role very, very yeah. well. He, <laughs> he's unlikable as yeah. soon as he comes on screen. Um, Michael confronts Ash about it. She thinks he might have known about it. And we go back to this thing again of, can he live with being part of Section 31 if this is the kind of thing they do? And yeah, I think that's something Ash is going to ask himself going forward. Yeah. And we're going to get a bit of a hint at an exploration of that later in the season. So, and probably if they do do the Section 31 show, that's probably where we're going to find out a lot more about it. Then there's a scene um, between Culber and Cornwell. Uh, he sort of goes in and says, you know, I knew you used to be a counsellor. And she seems to just drop everything and give him this counselling yeah. session, which is great for him. But you'd think maybe an admiral would be a bit busy. And maybe because of his circumstances. Maybe so, yeah. Like, his circumstances are pretty unique. So Absolutely, yeah. I can see why an admiral might be interested in Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Maybe, you know, from what we know of her, she is a good person and does want yeah. to help people. But also... As a psychologist, she must be curious as to yeah. what's going on with him. So we get. Yeah, I can see why with Culber. I think if it was anybody else from the crew, yeah, she'd get uh, out. She'd go, 
get on your bike. Yeah, we go uh, see Dion. <laughs> yeah, in a few hundred years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nice scene, and it's good that we're still exploring this with Culber. And then she finishes by saying the only way to make a new road is to walk it, which I'm surprised we've not got t-shirts and yeah. mugs and things with that on yet. But give it time, you never know. Um, then we get a scene with Michael and Spock. Um, he seems to have an incredible amount of insight into Michael. And this is... I think it's a dynamic that we've been building up between the two of them. Is They are very good at understanding where the other one's coming from. And yeah. If they can't really look at themselves yeah. at that level of introspection, you know. And Spock says... He wishes he was there to see a punch in Leland, which... Yeah, he'd have enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I I, imagine some people didn't like that, but I think that's a very sort of Spock thing to say. I think it is, and I think also after what Leland actually was trying to do to him. Yeah. You can see why. Yeah, absolutely. It, to me, that fits with Spock. Yeah. And... I he, didn't have a problem with it. No. And he talks about how he can identify with her because he feels like emotion and logic have failed her, which we know going back to when he was on Talos 4 and everything, he was saying that that's what had happened to him. So it's nice that this bond is kind of re-emerging between them. And then Michael does get a little bit introspective and she says, you know, she always finds a way to blame herself and she apologises for bringing it into Spock's home referencing uh, you know yeah. when he was young on Vulcan and everything and that to me does crystallise a lot of Michael's character you know it it isn't necessarily she feels she's the centre of the universe but she wants to carry the weight of all the yeah. burdens and you know and we looking back we have seen that like she she carried a lot of guilt about the Klingon war and now presumably she's feeling a lot of guilt about the whole Red Angel situation yeah. and you know Spock's good to her because he's saying you know you were a child and you were dealing with something that adults had struggled with but he still accepts her apology so he's he has enough emotional intelligence to know that when a human apologises, even if it's unnecessary, the act of apology and the act of that apology being accepted is what yeah. allows them to heal. It's, it allows them to move on. Yeah, he, he doesn't take a totally Vulcan stance yeah. and say, you know, there's no, your apology is not logical, yeah. so there's no point pursuing it. And again, it, it's showing that there's a really good bond between them and that they, they need each other really yeah. at, at this stage at this point they seem need to and they even admit that at the end you know they say this conversation's helped yeah. both of us and then we find out why he's really there so he didn't come for a heart to heart uh, he finds a variance in the angel's appearance and what he seems to have deduced is that the angel has been actively saving Michael yeah and he, he refers to the grandfather paradox, which um, I'm sure everyone who's listening is familiar with it, but basically goes that if you go back in time and you kill your own grandfather, you would die, so therefore you couldn't do that. Yeah. But then if you don't do it, you could. So it just goes round yeah, and round uh, in circles until you, 
you go crazy. So um, that's what he thinks is going on here, that the angel's coming back, saving Michael so that it itself doesn't die. Yeah. And the plan is that they need to endanger Michael in order to draw the to angel the point to of death. them. Yeah. yeah. And there's a debate with Pike. He's not sure this is the best approach. And Michael puts it to him that it's either her or the universe. So, yeah. And that's the... Um, there's a psychological experiment called the the tram problem or the tram dilemma or something. And it's basically if you're, if you're on a train that's out of control and in front of you there's five people strapped to the line but there's a turn-off and you can flick a switch to take the turn-off and there's only one person strapped on the line. The, it's like a, an ethics problem is, do you do it? You know, do you flick the switch? And you know, one possible solution is, yes, you do, because then you're only killing one person. One person, not five. But if you don't flick the switch, you're not responsible because the, the train running wild is not down to you and those pe- five people dying will be an accident. But if you flip a switch, you've actively you, flipped a switch. Yeah, and you've decided to kill so, that person. Yeah, so, I mean, there's no right there's answer. There's no right, yeah. But that's kind of what we've got here. Do we choose to kill Michael or do we allow events to play out which could destroy the universe? And Michael makes her choice, which is I'd rather you pull that <coughs> switch. yeah. And you kill me, and it, you know, and it goes back to the needs of the many and yeah. the needs of the one and everything. So we get a briefing. The outpost's got a toxic atmosphere. There's no margin for error, and we get a reconciliation scene with Ash and Michael. They share a case. I wouldn't say all is forgiven, but yeah, but I think her impending likely death. They can let bygones be bygones <laughs> for a minute which is fair play um, then we get this bit where Lieutenant Nelson joins the bridge in Arian's place and this is Arian from season one isn't it yeah it is yeah so it makes me wonder because apparently what happened behind the scenes was she couldn't cope with the makeup yeah so they recast in between seasons but I wonder if she got a sniff that Arian were going to die <laughs> like I'll sit this season out you can kill her and then I'll come back as me don't know. you never know it reminds me of um, in Babylon 5 and I forget the names of the characters but you had the the one who was psychic and you had one character in the pilot and then that actress chose not to do it so they brought in this new character yeah Leela it was it Leela and then she dies and they bring back the original actress yeah. to film more or less the same I think role. it's Leela who comes back something like yeah. that yeah so um, yeah it's kind of that you know we've got this actress but she's now resuming a different role they obviously like the actress yeah so, um, but it feels again like a bit of a wink to the audience like a bit of a metatextual joke yeah that we're seeing her take up her old position <laughs> but it's not really but it kind of is Um Culber apologises to Stamets and he says this isn't the time for us to discuss it and there might not ever be a time for it. So we're, we're inching that storyline forward. Yeah. This, is, this probably, apart from the Red Angel itself, this is probably the plot line that's sort of run for the longest yeah. time really across the whole season where 
we're not rushing to any quick answers with them too. And I think they're right not to rush, not to have rushed uh, this story. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's traumatizing, and we have become invested in the story. Yeah, we have. You see, that's what happens see? when you, <laughs> you spend you time, characters' time, <laughs> and then. Giorgio and Michael have a bit of discussion and Giorgio says yeah it wasn't her story to tell but she wanted to make sure yeah it was told so maybe that's because we talked a little bit about didn't we that she was threatening Michael with uh, threatening Leland rather with this yeah. and it didn't seem much of a threat but maybe it was just her playing the long game because she wanted Michael to find out the truth still didn't explain why Leland would be as fussed about it though yeah and then the last act of the episode really is all this sequence down on the planet. So they strap Michael into this chair, which looks like something out of Hellraiser. Yeah. You know, this I know they said it was a a horrible atmosphere and everything, but this place really does look hellish, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's... Well, you'd think they'd have given it a lick of paint or so, whichever colonists were there. <laughs> and it's, it's all very, very sort of intense what they're, what they're doing to her and everything but then Spock has a backhand way of um, sort of acknowledging his feelings to her he says we to perish I would be charged with killing a Starfleet officer again it would therefore be ideal if you survived <laughs> which I suppose is the closest you're going to get from Spock yeah to, I don't want you to die yeah and then I thought the scenes where Michael's dying were really sort of uncomfortable to watch. They were really it, yeah. quite intense, and it, it, it was actually been, really well done. It was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it may have been so I was watching this when I was still in hospital, so yeah. maybe a bit close to the bone. But yeah, it's quite horrific, really, how we see everything. Yeah. And then you get um, sort of a sequence of events where Pike wants to call it off, Culber wants to call it off, Giorgio wants to call it off. And, but Spock presumably his logic kicks in and he pulls a phaser yeah and um, he stops from turning off he stops them <laughs> yeah and this is what I think is great about Spock as a character because we know that he's not doing this in a callous way he's, yeah. he's doing it because he knows that their theory's right and that it's going to work but he's the only one strong enough to do this to it's emotionally one. detached yeah or it, they, it they can, can still to the yeah. extent that it can allow it to happen yeah. and you know it's it's a good performance from Ethan Peck because it, you know it clearly is having an effect on Spock but it still <clears throat> has to do what needs to be done kind yeah. of thing and so he disobeys an order from Pike the angel does arrive and it it brings her back to life as yeah. we were expecting it would do and then you get a cutaway to Leland where he's going to this machine that looks like a fishbowl I'm not quite sure it's kind of like a periscope or something yeah he's looking into something yeah. and he, he the the computer starts talking gibberish yeah and if that had been me knowing what I know I'd have been out of that room as yeah, soon what's as that going computer on? started started saying things that didn't make sense to me but he doesn't and he gets stabbed in the eye yeah. as a result did you think Leland were dead at this stage when you first watched it yeah first time I watched it I thought, I he, did. I thought he was yeah. dead I thought that's it we're not on to episode nope, 11 yet we're not yep, we're Leland's not. dead 
Right, so, yeah, we, we'll, it appears that Leland's dead. And um, so there you go. We were saying we didn't like him and um, we've yeah, got his wish. Yeah. We'll see what happens later in the season. <laughs> and then you get a rug pull, a twist in terms of who the Red Angel is. The suit opens and it's not Michael, it's her mother. Yeah. Which, uh, I like well, that. Well, they were working on the suit, so it makes... It, it makes sense. And it's good that and, it's not Michael. And we can sort of go, yeah, there's enough DNA similarities between parents. Yeah. Maybe there has been. Yeah, that's something that... <coughs> DNA seems to work in a weird way, depending on what TV writers want to do Yeah. Sometimes it's every person's DNA is 100% unique and there's no problem whatsoever. And then there's cases like this where, well, if it's your mother no, uh, or your brother or something, <laughs> yeah, we can let it's it go. Close enough match it's it could, fine. Could have got through. And, you know, I don't have a, a, a huge issue with that. No. That's fine. I don't know enough about DNA to I be don't able to either. I, I'm argue ha- against what... I'm happy to go with what they tell me on yeah. a case-by-case basis. <laughs> Um, and I quite liked the twist that it was a mother. Yeah. Um, because as we said earlier on, I found it quite groan-inducing. That yeah, I was quite happy when it wasn't Michael. Yeah. And we'll see if that sticks for the rest yeah. of the season Let's as well. Hope. But so it's it's a good solid end to the episode. It it makes you want to come back, find out what's going to happen yeah. next, and everything. It, overall, as I say, we've talked about how I, I, I don't think the Arium stuff necessarily works I didn't like the the Michael centric angel stuff but I think it's a good episode in forwarding the story yeah it's necessary to get us where we're going to be going and there's a lot of great scenes yeah little character scenes I don't think it's one of the best episodes of the season but I think it's one of the necessary episodes yeah. Wait, it's sort of tying up things and yeah, it it's sort of funneling it all towards it is, the, yeah, the climax of the season. We're getting very much... We're starting to get to the pointy end. Yeah, we're getting to the stage of we know control is going to be the threat. We know the Red Angel's <clears throat> going to be the mystery and that it's going to play a part in the resolution yeah. of it. So, you know, we're moving towards the end of the story now yeah. so yeah I agree with you I think it's it is a necessary episode it's not like you it's not my favourite no but I think I think it's how we watch TV now mm. when it's released on a week by week basis which Discovery is it is a bit of a weaker episode but if you're binging which a lot of people do now yeah because it's on streaming services people will wait till yeah, yeah. and they'll just watch it in one go and it so you can get episodes like this yeah you're right I think this will play much better um, as you say binging the whole season because it is it's sort of a middle chapter or something yeah there isn't a lot of point in and of itself yeah but it's it's got some reveals in it yeah Um, it does the job it's a bit of scaffolding to hold up yeah where we're going with the rest of the season so um Next episode, I think, is where it, it really starts to kick off. Yeah, and, I think uh, it's fair to say that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back next time to look at that. Unless, is there anything else on this one? I think we've covered it again. So, yeah, we will be back next time to look at the next episode as we continue through Discovery. And we'll also bring you 
hopefully any breaking Star Trek news as well. But yeah. I think after the Comic Con, it might be quiet for a little while. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> we might have a couple of surprises coming up. You never know. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.